Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good evening, Bucknutters. Welcome to the What We Learned Live following Ohio State's 41-7 win over Purdue. I am Dave Biddle. I will be joined by Matt Baxendell in just a little bit. I'll be joined by Heater, a.k.a. Heath Schneider, a little bit after that. And then we'll hear from Patrick Murphy from ross Stadium. Really good win for the Buckeyes, 41-7 over Purdue. Uh, Buckeyes, they were favored by 20 pretty much all week. Uh, it dropped to 19 and a half, you know, last few days. And then today it dropped to 17 and a half. I think probably because people thought it'd be bad weather, um, which it was in the second half. It wasn't terrible, but uh, the first half was dry. But a really good win for the Buckeyes, 41 to 7 at Purdue. Um, again, Buckeyes came in, you know, at kickoff favored by 17 and a half. And they really took it to Purdue, uh, winning this game by 34. So great job by Ohio State. Um, great to see Dallin Hayden step up like that. Uh, so much for him redshirting. Obviously, technically, he still could redshirt. He he still could redshirt, but because um, this is just the second game he played in. But um, um, I don't know why you would at this point. I mean, he looks really, really good. You can make the argument that he's the best running back on this team, uh, if not one of the best. And and you need him. So, and he just brings kind of a different element. You know, I mean. You know, Trey's the game breaker, you know, maybe the biggest home run hitter, but Dallin just has that 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 total package, that slasher, you know, and Purdue's been pretty good. Um, I mean, at least their D-line has been pretty stout this year. Um, but Ohio State was able to get the job done. It was good to see that wrinkle with Devin Brown. That's another thing we learned. Devin Brown uh, getting that, uh, that Tebow-esque goal line short yardage role. That was interesting to see. I did not expect that. And, you know, Purdue did not expect that. So uh, he did have the fumble, um, you know, his second time doing it. But that was just – you know what? I give Purdue credit for that. You know, you're diving across the goal line. That, that guy put his helmet right on the ball. Yeah, you got to protect the ball. I get it. But, like, that was textbook. Give Purdue credit for that uh, fumble. 
Dallin, I just talked up Dallin. Dallin's got to fall on that ball in the end zone, but uh, but Dallin, great job by uh, Dallin. Ohio State's defense once again steps up. Not that this Purdue's, not that Purdue's offense is going to get ever get confused with a good offense, but uh, great job by the defense. Great job. This D line dominated. You know, again, a decimated Purdue O line. I get that, but this Ohio State D line dominated, and uh, it was really good to see. It was fantastic to see, actually. So, again, we're going to hear from Bax in a moment. Then we're going to hear from Heath Schneider, Heater. We'll get to some of the questions here. Jam OSU, did Hicks play? Yeah, I mean, he, he played late. You know, he played like the fourth quarter, but he did play. Um, he always plays on special teams, but I know what you mean. Did he play at linebacker? Yeah, he played because they got that second team you know, defense and offense and, you know, really for the entire fourth quarter, which was great. It's another thing we learned. It was great to see those young ones out there, not just Devin Brown. We knew Carnell Tate would have a bigger role this game, um, and, and he did. He got a touchdown, three or four receptions, including a long one. Um, and then it was really cool to see Brandon Ennis uh, get his – what a way to get – it's like a baseball player. You, you get called up and your first ever hit is a home run. You know, that that was Brandon Ennis. His first catch as a Buckeye was a touchdown. Great throw by Devin Brown, by the way. Um, and great throw by Kyle McCord on, to Carnell Tate. Absolute dime. So Kyle McCord continues to be solid. And, and I loved – there was that, that sequence where Kyle McCord stepped up and got nine yards, second and ten. Not a call. He stepped up and got nine yards. Boom. Maybe it was called. I have to go back and look at it. Um, it might have been called now that I think about it. Uh, but Kyle McCord gets nine yards on a QB run. Next play, they rush up there. QB sneak, easy first down. I love it. We've been talking about that. Cade Stover continues to step up. We learned that. Tyleek Williams. Every week. I mean, Tyleek Williams out there. I mean, he's like, you know. Every bit of probably 340, even though they list him at 320. Um, he moves so well. He just he's just so athletic. He had two batted down passes. He's just wrecking the line of scrimmage. Um, JT Tumo Lau's playing great. Jack Sawyer had a big sack. Looking over here at my notes here. I mean, Ohio State just dominated total yardage. And this wasn't one of those 41 to 7 games where Ohio State pulled away late and it looks good. Like, if anything, it, it kind of looks good for Purdue. I mean, Ohio State's up. 34 to nothing after that uh, second touchdown for Cade Stover, who's putting together one of the best seasons we've seen ever out of an, uh, out of an Ohio State tight end. He had a really good season last year, Stover did. He's putting together one of the best seasons we've ever seen out of an Ohio State tight end. The best um, tight end ever at Ohio State, um, only, you know, old Buckeye fans will remember this, is a guy named John Frank. John Frank's the best tight end to ever play at Ohio State. Um also won a Super Bowl with the 49ers, might have won a couple. John Frank was the best. I'm not going to say Cade is as good as John Frank. You know, there's been some other really good ones, Ricky Dudley and many others. Got, there's a lot of guys in the NFL right now from Ohio State. Um, but um, Cade Stover uh, is putting together a fantastic year, and I'm here for it. Um, now, it could have been a little closer. I mean, Purdue did help out with their field goal kicking. Um I thought the first of all, I thought the first one, I was surprised they even tried that one. That was 48 yards. They said that guy's distance was about 47. He missed it by a lot. And then he had the 
you know, the stoink at the end of the first half and missed the chip shot, which I thought they should have, you know, gone for the first down. But thank you to Purdue for that. So 41 to 7. We will take that every day of the week. Yeah, you know, we have Michael on YouTube saying still not sold on McCord as a great quarterback, you know, basically saying that the ball placement wasn't there. I agree. I mean, I'm not saying he's great. He's he's solid, and he does at time leave a lot to be desired with ball placement. Then he'll throw absolute dimes, and then he'll, you know, he he's, you know, about what I expected. I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with it because if he was like, you know, he wasn't going to be C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, number two pick of the draft and should have been number one and probably going to be rookie of the year. But I'm overall happy with how Kyle McCord is playing. But as you mentioned, is he great? No, he's not great. Can he do better with ball placement? Absolutely. But does he make big-time throws? Can he make all the throws? Yes. Is he cool under pressure? Yes. Is he tough? Yes. So there's a lot to like about Kyle McCord. A lot more to like than not like. And we're still in the uh, infancy stages of his Ohio State career, which is crazy to think about. It feels like he's been here a long time because he enrolled early, committed relatively early, um, but still just a junior. Um, and yeah, you know, there's another, That's a, this is a good point here. I think we've had a few people bring this up. I'll pull up Larry's comment on YouTube. Uh, a lot of drops, a lot of drops. So that's another thing. That's another reason that... Um, you know, common court stats do look good. Um, again, you know, three more touchdowns, no interceptions, you know, well over 200 yards. And there were drops, including from Marvin, which we're not used to seeing. Marvin had at least two, maybe three drops, depending on how you look at drops. One that they said that they were surprised Marvin didn't get was actually a bad throw by McCord that was behind him. Marvin had to try and go with one arm. But Marvin had at least two bad drops, which is – we're so used to Marvin catching things that look like it's going to be, if you're playing at Ohio stadium, the ball looks like, Oh, that's going to be somewhere in B deck. And then Marvin just goes up and and gets it. Like that's what we're, what we're used to. So it's, it's just weird seeing Marvin ever drop anything, but um, really good win for the Buckeyes. And now they can, you know, and it was also good to be able to rest, you know, the starters in the fourth quarter to get ready for Purdue. And we'll see about running back. Hopefully everything that's going on. And if you're, you know, Patrick is going to join us after post-game interviews um, Steve Hellwagon, this is the first, uh, Buckeye game that he's missed in a long, long time. Somebody has the audacity to get married on, uh, an Ohio state football Saturday. So Steve's out of town, but Patrick will join us from Ross Hade stadium after interviews. And I'm sure coach day is going to be asked about the status of Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams as it pertains to next week with chip train. I think as we all saw, um, you know, he, he didn't get knocked out, but like completely, but he was definitely woozy and they made the right call. You know, he probably did have a concussion. Sounded like he got reevaluated at halftime. There's a chance he could have come back in the game, even if he was cleared, which I doubt he was. Uh, I never saw him with his helmet again. Why put him back in there, especially the way Dallin Hayden was playing? And now, in theory, um, especially since he wasn't like knocked out cold, even though that was a, you know, man, that was a. <laughs> We're talking about football being a collision sport. That's your that's a prime example right there. Um, but in theory, Chip should be okay for next week. Not you know, not playing him after that was a smart move. Um, Xavier Johnson stepped up. That was really good to see. Um, you know, the offensive line overall, you know, um, played better. You know, this is a, a Purdue defensive line that people were saying you know it was pretty good. I, I needed to see that. I know they had a transfer come in from. 
I believe Arkansas, they had their other D tackle um, coming back from last year, who is honorable mention, all big 10. Um, they had another honorable mention, all big 10 guy. Um, but um, Ohio State's O-line got the better of Purdue's D-line, no doubt about that today. And again, Ohio State's D-line was dominant, dominant. Good to see that. That's starting four, those third-year guys, all four of them. You had a D-tackle, you had Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams. Tyleek is playing like an All-American, and Mike Hall's playing good too. Um, and then JT Tumaloal and Jack Sawyer, those four. Those 2001, excuse me, uh, 2021 recruits, all of them highly rated, um, two five-stars, two four-stars, and Mike Hall was a high four-star. Ty Leak was actually a three-star when Ohio State got the commitment, and then um, he got bumped up to a four-star eventually. But that foursome is a fantastic D-line, and they have depth. We're seeing Caden Curry out there um, a lot more now, you know, getting some snaps in there. We're seeing Kenyatta Jackson in there, you know, when the game's on the line, you know, we're seeing obviously Ty Hamilton, sometimes Ty Hamilton starts. He didn't today. Now you're seeing more, more of, we've seen more of, you know, Ty Leak's had the most snaps of any of the D tackles. Um, but it's been like Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton that have kind of like, you know, lit the, the other half. Now you're seeing more of Mike Hall out there, but Ty Hamilton's still a number, a solid number three. You're seeing hero canoe, Jaden McKenzie, even, uh, we saw Tywon Malone out there. Um, and now we see, Matt Baxendale, dressed for success. Good to Trying see. To. That's exactly what I wanted to see. 41 <laughs> to 70. Yeah, I mean, could it have been like 70 to nothing? I mean, there, I guess everything could be perfect. Like, I love it. And, and the spread had dropped to 17 and a half backs, and the Buckeyes go out there, and they wax Purdue by 34. I'm here for it. You know, uh, I'm just going to say I picked 38 to 7 in the round table yesterday, so I think I win closest. So, uh that was the time to take my advice, everybody. <laughs> I was so close. I, I was feeling good about my pick of 38 to 10 Buckeyes till you reminded me, uh-uh, no. Guess who's even closer? You. This guy. This guy's guy definitely. Right, this guy right here. So what'd you learn the most? What do, what do you, let's, let's start obviously with the, there's not many negatives. What did you learn the most that you're really jazzed about? Well, uh, running the football for more than four yards a carry is pretty nice to have. Uh, I think we saw them run the ball, what was it, 40 times in this game? That's good to see. Dallin Hayden looked good again. Uh, you have to wonder how much this guy's going to have to wait to get on the field at this point because when he played last year, he was really good too. Uh, so, you know, you have to say it's good to see that the offensive line was actually firing off the ball. Uh, I, I think the best part about this, though, was is the offense started kind of fast and they kind of stayed moving at about the same pace the whole game. There was none of those lulls where we looked at the team like, what are we looking at here? Ugh. And they didn't really let this one like get interesting. They just kind of went about their business and made sure that they put the the you know ball down the field and put themselves in third and shorts. Uh, at the end of the day, I thought it was overall just it was a solid game. It's not like a, oh, wow, we scored 65, yay, kind of game that some people want. But 41-7 to at Purdue is wildly better than almost all of our other outcomes this year, really. If you think about it, that's a that's a full sixty minute football game. So I, I think we we have to be very happy with this headed into the big game against Penn State. That's going to really be a decider for a lot of things in the Big Ten East. Yeah, and we'll delve into that in a moment. Um, the Devin Brown wrinkle, I didn't see that coming, and for sure Purdue didn't see it coming. I know he had the fumble. No. Now, I give Purdue credit on that. That was just textbook defense, putting your helmet on the ball. Um, 
I like Devin Brown. They almost like a, a smaller version of Tebow out there. I, I like that wrinkle. I think it was a good idea for the numbers mismatch in the running game down there, the gold line. I mean, think about it. We were having trouble moving the ball. And I, I don't know if Ryan Day would have showed it this week if we had uh, been more successful running the ball just traditionally. That might have been a wrinkle he saved for a bigger game. But I think the way that they were struggling to run the ball last week, I think Ryan Day thought, screw it, it's time to pull this out. We need to see if this is something that's useful. I expect we'll see that more going forward. What's going to be interesting is, is if they ever have him actually throw the ball whenever he lines up there because everybody's going to be keying on the run going forward. Tyleek Williams continues to be – You can. I mean, a lot of guys on defense are playing well, but Tyleek continues to play at an All-American level. Yeah, this is what we wanted from him, right? This is his money year. And the way he's playing, it's going to be his last year at Ohio State. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I, I think, you know, we, we at least saw some sacks today out of the D-line. There was so much pressure uh, at times on their quarterback. I mean, a couple of their completions, it was like circus kind of plays. So we've now had this defense through six games of the season, and they're averaging nine points a game against. And it starts with a very strong D-line. It starts with a secondary that's got it together. Uh, it was just another rock-solid game. They had a goal-line stand at the one-yard line in the first half. I mean, that, that shows that there's some guts about this group. And I, I know that, like, as Ohio State fans, a lot of people are, you know, when they think of a great D-line, they're thinking, well, where's the Bosa? Where's the other Bosa? Where's Chase Young? This is a good D, guys. Uh, at this point, they've earned my trust that they're a pretty good D. Halfway through the season, averaging nine points against, and you're undefeated. And in part, you're undefeated because your D has held it together for your offense to turn itself into a pretty decent unit you got to give the D a ton of credit. So our guy Dan Rubin texted me and said, Dallin Hayden, best running back on the team. You agree? I don't know if he's wrong. I said that a minute ago. At this point, every time he's played, he's been good. Every time he's played, he's been good. And I get that you have all these other guys here, but like Trey's frequently hurt. Uh, Mayan's been struggling with injuries. You know, Chip has shown that he can do stuff at times. It's not like they're bad running backs, but at the end of the day, if it's a meritocracy, every opportunity that he's had, he's taken advantage of it. I mean, even against Michigan, I think he was averaging four or five yards of carry last year. So, like, at the end of the day, I'm not sure what Dallin Hayden needs to do to be a more consistent part of this team going forward. And the conversation about redshirting him seems like it's a moot one with all the injuries at this point and Penn State on the table next week. The irony there, right? I mean, that like we opined, that's what was going on. I mean, like obviously Dallin, unless he was hurt, which he didn't, we could tell from when they're coming off the practice field, he's in full uniform that he wasn't hurt. It's like they have to be trying to redshirt him if possible, knowing the other running backs are healthy. Mm -hmm. And then of all weeks, Ryan Day confirms that this week. It wasn't like he was being evasive. He just was never asked about it. And then this is the week where everybody's hurt, and then you know, then Chip gets hurt on top of that, and then they need Dallin, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Dallin's really, really good." Yeah, I don't even care if everybody stays healthy now. Throw that out the window with trying to like redshirt Dallin. Throw it out the window. When you have a team that's potentially in the mix for the national title, I don't know how much redshirts need to be really brought into the equation. Just to be honest, then if you look at the rest of the schedule, we have two games the rest of the season that have you know giant red alert klaxons written all over them. And then you have another one in Wisconsin that's a, sort of a big deal kind of game. And the reality is right now, the Penn State game and the Wisconsin game back-to-back, those are going to be big physical contests. You can't go in with three banged-up other running backs and not expect Alan Hayden to play a huge role at this point. So, yeah, I, I think he should play. I think he should play a lot. 
I don't really see an alternative, to be quite frank at this point. Dallin Hayden, again, I'm going to come back to what I just said. Every time he plays, he shows up and plays well. What did he have, seven yards of carry today and a touch? I mean, reality is he's doing what he's asked to do when he's given a chance. He's, he's, he's grabbing the bull by the horn. He's seizing the brass ring. I don't know what else we need to do except let the kid play. And maybe everybody else can heal up while he's in there too. And there's more of a rotation, but you have four, you have four. Now, if they're all healthy, you have four and Hayden has to play at some point. Yeah. They don't win the Maryland game last year, as you know, backs without him, as you mentioned. Um, no. Yeah. And he, he, I mean, he, that was his, obviously his huge gamer as well over a hundred yards. And you're right today, 11 carries 76 yards. So just, I mean, basically uh 10 year, I mean, basically seven yards a carry. 11 carries, 76 yards, and a touchdown. And look good doing it. You know, look yeah. good doing, making guys miss. Um, His vision but- is good. That's something about him that really stands out. We've had running backs in the past at Ohio State that, like, you know, look like Tarzan, but then, like, they can't, you know, find the trees for the forest. They just run into the pack of people. Hayden has vision, right? Hayden has vision. And that's something about him that I think sets him apart at times. And you can't teach that. He's also bigger than what he was last year. He came in, even like when he he, he came in, he enrolled. He's at like about 195. He got a little bigger during the season. Um, he's about 205 now. So he's about almost 10 pounds heavier than what he was last year and looks just as quick. So and you can see, you can even see it in his neck. You can even see it in his neck that he's he's gotten a lot stronger. All right, brass tacks, Penn State. It's finally, we can talk about Penn State. Not that we haven't been talking about it. We're not on the team. We can look ahead. Um I mean, Penn State's looked really good, but they haven't seen this yet. Now, Ohio State hasn't seen that yet, but Ohio State's had a tougher test so far than Penn State's had. Um, Very curious um, to see what's going to happen next week. I'm just glad this game is in Columbus backs. How do you forecast this one? Well, Penn State hasn't played a team with a pulse yet is their problem. Uh, At the end of the day, what's the best team they've played? Is it West Virginia? Uh, Something like that. No, one of those teams early in the year that was like an okay mid-level team. The reality for them at this point is is that – and they're playing UMass this week, by the way. They want to throw right, shade to get about their terrible schedule. They're playing UMass this week. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, Penn State has a, a good offense. I think Drew Aller is going to come in here with a chip on his shoulder being an Ohio kid that didn't get to come to Ohio State. I think they're good, but I'm not convinced they're really significantly better than Maryland because I think Maryland's good. I think Maryland's a really good team, and Ohio State kind of handled them. So – the other thing is, is at the end of the day for James Franklin, I think he's won once in nine years against Ohio State. Is the, it, it was and it was the year that they blocked the field goal in right. Happy Valley at night. So, yep. This is he's always the guy who falls short for some reason against Ohio State, right? Uh, uh, he's kind of like the reverse John Cooper in that you'd always would see him on the other sideline and go, "All right, we got a shot there." If you're the big rival, right? At the end of the day, I think Ohio State's a better football team, though. I think Ohio State has uh, a much better defense. Even though Penn State's D looks good, Ohio State's played better offenses, period. And they've looked good against it. I also think that at the end of the day, it's in the horseshoe. And that's even if it's at noon, and I wish it was at night, because we always play at night there, and never at noon there, seems like. And then they're always at noon here. At the end of the day, Ohio State should be the favorite in this game. I think the Buckeyes are... are going to be the ones that come out of this one. And at the end of the day, this is the first of the big three games that are going to decide the Big Ten East between Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. I appreciate it, my friend. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, Dave. Everybody, 
Buckeyes are six and oh. We should be happy and enjoy this, okay? Six and oh. That's and our defense is fixed nine points a game against in half a season. There's all kinds of things to complain about. We can talk about how good all the young guys looked at times when they popped in, but at the end of the day, they're six and oh, and the defense is awesome. So we have to have sort of a oh, let's have fun with this team attitude here. Cause I know there's a lot of complaints about little things on the board. They won by five touchdowns on the road in the Big Ten. That's a good day. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. There he goes, Matt Baxendale. And, yeah, real quick, Lynn's Breezy on YouTube, for those that are uh, listening to the podcast-only version, uh, she is saying, Ryan Day said he has no updates on Mecca Trey, or Burke just now. Yes, Patrick Murphy tweeted that. I just retweeted that, so we're going to hear from Patrick Murphy. But Coach Day at the postgame press conference has no update on any of the injured guys. Let's bring in my man in Amsterdam, Heater, Heath Schneider. This hey, is brother. what I wanted to see, Heater. 41-7. to seven. I loved it. What, That's what a you good mean? day. Well, yeah, a- yeah, today was a good day. Didn't have to use your AK. What, uh, what are your main takeaways? My main takeaways, uh, a couple different things. One, the defensive line is stepping up. I, I know you guys just talked a little bit about it, but boy, that defensive line earlier in the year, uh, it felt like they weren't getting any penetration. They weren't getting any pressure on passing plays unless the there was a blitz to help them out and they weren't blitzing enough to, to create consistent pressure. But I see that happening now. Uh, you guys mentioned uh, Tyleek Williams playing like an All-American, and good grief if he's not. He absolutely is. JTT is bringing uh, the heat more and more. He had another sack and a half today uh, and is making his presence felt uh, more uh, with maybe not getting to the quarterback but getting more pressure. Uh, it felt like, uh, as, I, as I have other takeaways, the, the back end of the defense played pretty well, minus a couple of things when, when they had uh, the end of the first half drive where they just kind of melted down the field pretty easily. But even then, uh, you know, their kicker had the yips. Uh, looked like, uh, for those Browns fans out there, looked like Cade York was kicking for them. It was just horrible. Um, Cade York good, good. out the distance maybe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and uh, the first one I called, I was like, oh, that's gonna, that looks like he's setting up. It's going to go wide left. There's no way I could have called that third one from point-blank range right. that he would hook it so hard. Uh, on uh, the receiving end, I thought uh, – I'm trying to figure out what was up with Harrison. He had three or four drops that I counted. Uh, still had a 100-yard game, but, you know, we're talking about a guy who is truly the best receiver in America and just didn't have his A game when it came to – normally it touches a hand of his and it's it's lights out, and that just wasn't the case today. But then you have Cade Stover who is I, – I said it a couple of times. I said it in my immediately after the game analysis. He is the best tight end in Columbus at least since Hartsock, I would think. And there's um, been some good draft picks. I mean, you think about like – Hireman was a third-round pick, national right. champion. Vanette, third-round pick, national champion. Played in the yeah. NFL for a long time. I'd still be in there. Before that, Stoneburner played in the NFL. Um, you know, they had you know Luke Farrell, fifth-round pick, still in the NFL. Jeremy Ruckert, third-round pick, still in the NFL. And you're absolutely right. Stover's the best they've had since Ben Hartsock, and he's better than Ben Hartsock. And I say that's what he loves, Ben Hartsock. I love me some Ben Hartsock. If nothing else, for the quotes, the guy was a quote machine. 
Speaking of national champions, by the way. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, it's amazing how many tight ends they're putting into the NFL. And they and every year we say the same thing. They're not utilizing the tight end enough. And um, I think with Stover, it's the first time I've ever sat down and thought, hey, they're finally using this this tight end position enough that I don't think they're missing out, you know? Uh, and that, I think that's huge. Um, as you know, I've been taking a lot of heat this, this year on my uh, evaluation and analysis of Kyle McCord. Uh, my takeaway from him is he's, he's still throwing way too many balls off, off his back foot, which prevents him from getting, while he may get distance, he's not going to get it there with the velocity. And sooner or later, there's going to be a defensive back, back that catches up to that. And that's a scary thing because that there was one play. Uh, it was, I want to say it was, uh, it was uh, uh, Harrison's first, uh, his touchdown catch. Uh, he threw that off his back foot. A quicker defensive back could have had a, a, a pick six, 100 yards the other direction. Stover's touchdown was not a, a good pass. Yeah. Stover just made well one Stover's first touchdown. I mean, that was I mean, Stover just made a hell of a catch. Oh, yeah. There were others that 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 Kyle got away with that were just not good ball placement at all. And then there's others where you're like, damn, he just dropped a dime there. Oh um, yeah, so yeah. Pass, it's like, it's like he's solid. Was the best deep ball I've ever seen him throw. It was, it was, yeah. it was perfectly placed. It was in stride. Everything about that ball was perfect. He put and that shows just how good he can be when he sets up, he has a base under him and he tosses that ball in rhythm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with him. He has to get better. Yeah. He, he continues to remind me a little bit of Bobby Hoying and I'm okay with that. Cause Bobby Hoying is a fifth year senior ended up like setting school records at the time. He's not there yet. Right. He reminds me of a Bobby Hoying and not even Bobby Hoying when Bobby Hoying was in his first year, more like Bobby Hoying in his second year, who was still pretty mm -hmm. solid. Um, Let's hope he can get to Bobby Hoying in his third year because that's when Bobby Hoying really took off. Um, so just having, a, having man, a Heisman running back to, to does and and a Bolitnikov wide receiver, right? Right. You know, and that Ricky Dudley team. coming out of oh, uh, basketball and the best left tackle in football history, right. Orlando all of, Pace. all of those help Bobby Hoying. <laughs> Maybe Bobby Hoying was just okay. No, I'm kidding. He was a third round pick. He's stayed in the NFL. That's the one we thought was going to be. We're finally going to have our NFL quarterback because for like. Four games with the Eagles to finish like his second year. He was the guy. Then open up the next year as the starting quarterback for the Eagles. Then didn't finish the year. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It, even with the team, this D line man. We talk about Tyreek Williams, but JT Tumalau continues to play at an All American level, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Mike Hall, I love Mike Hall, and it, good to see Jack Sawyer. Jack Sawyer continues to uh, maybe not be what we thought he'd be as a third year guy, but like. You know, compared to the beginning of the year, Heater, I'm seeing Jack Sawyer become more of a dude. Uh, agreed, agreed. He had in the, he had a sack and a half today. Um, he uh, seemed to to he had a couple of plays where he was uh, kind of all over the field, which was great to see. Um, like I said, this defensive line at the beginning of the year they are maturing at a much and gelling at a much faster rate than the offensive line is. Right, the offensive line is not coming along nearly as quickly as this defensive line. And this defensive line is really starting to play the kind of defense that you expect out of a championship level team. And you re you're really going to need that against 
the heightened players that uh, Penn State has next week coming your way, you know? I like the X-Bands getting some love here, Heater, because our, our listeners are completely right. Brian, Brian Emerson on YouTube, the X-Man is underrated and he's highly utilized, or maybe he's saying he's underutilized. He was, he wasn't underutilized today. He was no, utilized today. Return man, running yeah. back, wide receiver. I love, I love the X-Man, six-year senior from Cincinnati, came in as a walk-on. If you go back, I'm not just, if you go back and read our like practice reports from like four years ago, it'd be like, dude, every time we're out there, at the time we were number 25. This number 25, Xavier Johnson, is always making plays. And then he was number 10 last year. Now he's zero. It doesn't matter what number this young man wears, he yeah. makes plays. And I love it. What a great story, by the way, to come in as a walk-on, still be here as a six-year senior, now be on scholarship, making plays just like he did last year, Heater. And a captain, right? And a captain. Uh, Thank you. He does it and does it the right way. Uh, I tell you two things about him. One, that he's a guy. He's a guy that has, <coughs> pardon me, an attitude that is absolutely fantastic. I'm going to do whatever it takes to help the team. Plug me in. I mean, it's a real, it's a real Rudy Rudiger kind of attitude. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do. Um, I always, every time I look at him, uh, I look at him and I think, boy, he looks like he's not running all that fast. But all of a sudden, he's going at a really fast pace. But he's one of those those kind of players that just doesn't look all that fast, and then suddenly he's gobbling up yards. It's really interesting because I would look at the opposite. Uh, if you think back to like Robert Smith, he was such a glider uh, that he was just chewing up yards with each stride, five yards a stride. It seemed like it sometimes. And uh, X Man love what he does. It just looks only looks like he's not running fast, but he is. Yeah, he definitely is. Let's go through some other things. So Devin Brown, I mean, how how surprised were you to see that package? And they kept going to it, even after he fumbled. How surprised yeah. were you? And then how much did you like it? So I mentioned to you in text during the game that they were setting up stuff for for Penn State, and I I would not be surprised to see the same setup next week, uh, short yardage situation, maybe on a third down or or something like that. Uh, I wouldn't think on a fourth, but. He goes in, feigns the run, uh, pulls up, and and passes to a releasing uh, Kate Stover or something like that. Don't show it this week. Just show the, you know, give them something on film that, film that shows tendencies. Hey, look, this is what they do when, when he's in there and, and about, you know, in the middle of the game. And if you're like, if you're Penn State's D coordinator, you're sitting there thinking, oh, we have their, because, you know, they've had two off weeks, basically, including their game right now against UMass. They actually <laughs> yeah. had a real off week last week. And they've been just studying Ohio State. And you know, you know that they're thinking, oh, we got Ohio State short yardage goal line situation down. And then all of a right. sudden, Ohio State throws Devin Brown in there. And it looked effective. So that was good to see. Um, I'll get you out of here on this. And we're going to hear from Patrick Murphy live from Ross Aid Stadium. Um, what a way for Brandon Ennis to get his his career started. I mean, you know, I mean, his first ever catch is a touchdown, and Devin Brown is not just a runner. He put that ball. You can see why it was a tight it was a tight competition in camp. Yeah, uh, good throw by Devin Brown, and good to see Brandon Ennis uh, get a touchdown. Good to see Carnell Tate get a lot of playing time and get a, a touchdown himself. I, you know, I uh, and I appreciate the time today, especially after I wasn't able to come in after Notre Dame. Thank you so much for having me back. You were doing a solid um, for your friend, my friend. <laughs> two two things. Um, watching watching Ennis get that uh, that ball was as good a ball as I have seen Brown throw on a deep ball, 
And so I probably saw the best deep ball throw uh, and the uh, from each of the quarterbacks in the same half of the same game. And it was really impressive to see. And this has to be on cloud nine. It's not often you come in and that's your first touch, right? You come in and boom, all of a sudden you're 58 yards downfield. And it was a very nice move to get down the field and get that. But it was interesting to me to see both those players with very beautiful in-stride passes, best passes I've seen uh, both of those quarterbacks made on, make on a deep ball this season. So, Peter, it's, I see it's 420, so I know you got to get out of there. Yes. Uh, great hearing from you as always, my friend. Amen. Uh, I love it. Uh, Patrick, go get him, Tiger. He is. Good to see you. Nuts and read his immediately after the game analysis. Great stuff from my man in Amsterdam, Heath Schneider. Patrick Murphy, live from Ross Aid Stadium. You are looking live at Ross Aid Stadium. All right. Windy Ross Aid Stadium. What's that? A windy Ross Aid Stadium. It wasn't that windy during the game, I don't think, but it is definitely windy now. Your main takeaway? Um, look, this is what you should do to a team like Purdue the week before um, you know you, you play Penn State. I think you wanted to come out of this feeling good. They do feel good. I mean, it was twenty to nothing at one point, and it's like they're not even playing that well, and they're on pace to win forty to zero. So. Um, you know, I think we can touch on a lot of things. I heard you talk about the red zone, Devin Brown stuff. Here's my hot take on it. I don't like it. I don't think that it's effective. I think he should have scored on that first one. I think it, it just doesn't – he doesn't uh, – he doesn't have the explosiveness of a Braxton Miller, even like a JT Barrett. Like he – and he didn't read – the the play well um, the fumble obviously helmet on ball that happens but I just don't like I thought this and I think we talked about it after in uh, one of the games he played earlier this season like for a guy who's known more as a dual threat guy he's not he doesn't blow me away with his running ability and then when you get down there aside from you know kind of equating numbers which is an old Urban Meyer thing that Ryan Day used again after the game I just I, I don't know. It shouldn't have taken them three plays after they brought him in to, to get a touchdown. It should have happened on the first one, but he tries to like initiate contact instead of just running into the end zone. And I don't know, maybe it gets better if they keep using it, but I think you know, you're Ohio state. I don't think you need to be doing this. Yeah. My bad. I said Tate scored a touchdown. I was corrected by uh, a <laughs> member of our live audience. My bad. He had a good um, game. though. He did have a good game. He had that long uh, reception, did not have a touchdown in his hat, obviously had the touchdown. Um, Marvin had a touchdown. Um, all right. So Dallin Hayden, I, I find it ironic as heck. I was talking about this earlier. Like we've, we've been like opining for the last few weeks, probably what they're doing with Dallin is they're trying to redshirt him. He'll be at the ready if needed, but you know, that just made the most sense. And then of all weeks, coach Dave confirms that this week was asked about it. And then of all weeks, Dallin Hayden <laughs> comes out and shows out, you know, 11 carries 76 yards and a touchdown. And I don't even care if all the running backs, get healthy, Patrick, as I said earlier in the show, um, throw the idea of Dallin Hayden redshirting out the window. You know, Dan Rubin uh, texted saying he you know, he thinks Dallin's the best running back on the team. Uh, if he's not, he's damn close, and, and I don't want to see him redshirted. They need him, and he played really well today. Yeah, I asked Coach Day about him just kind of, him being Dallin Hayden being ready because last year, obviously, it wasn't until I think that Indiana game when he kind of broke in late in the year. Today, obviously, he'd only played three snaps prior to today. Didn't have a carry yet this season. 
but he was ready to go. And he didn't expect to play a ton, I don't think, today. It didn't look like that's that was part of the plan early in the game. Um, it Ryan Day was asked about this after the game, and, and he said, you know, first of all, that the fact that they had him, you know, haven't used him means that they can still play him in a couple more games and redshirt him. So maybe smart thinking by, by the coaching staff there, but I don't know what they're going to do because I think he was asked right at the end of the press conference, like, do you reconsider that? And he was like, yeah, we'll, we'll have to look at it. But look, I, I think for whatever reason, they've been hesitant to use Dallin a lot. It took until everyone else was hurt last season. And it's doing the same this season. I don't know why. And Ryan Day brought up again in the post game. You know, he held on to the ball. Ball security is the number one thing. I don't think Devin, or I, excuse me, I don't think Dallin Hayden's fumbled the ball in a game. Maybe he fumbles it in practice. I, I, it's a weird situation that they just seem to want to want to preserve him for some reason. And to me, I agree with what you said with uh, what Dan texted you. I don't know if he is the best running back in the team. I still think he needs to do some of the non-ball carrying stuff a little bit better pass protection and, and things like that. But look, he's, he's effective. Now let's remember, this is a Purdue team that was not good against the run. So, you know, who knows what the numbers look like if it's any of the other running backs out there. But again, his opportunity comes, he takes it and you, you've got to be pleased with what he can do. And if it's not this year, it's definitely coming soon. I saw your tweet. I retweeted it. I talked about it yeah. early in the show, but just give the people an update. You're, you're just now coming from post-game interviews. Coach Day, uh, basically, mum was the word on injuries about everyone, right? Yeah, it was the first question asked. And it's funny because he met reporters outside the team hotel when, when they arrived in West Lafayette yesterday and said that Emeka Buka didn't travel with the team, which is, I, I saw it on Twitter and was like, oh, that's more information than he normally gives about player injuries. And then he gets asked about it first thing in the press conference. You know, can you talk about the you know, Travion and Chip and, and Emeka, and he just goes, I, I don't have anything on that. I can't give you anything on that. And that was it. And it was just like, well, yesterday you, you were willing to talk about it. So, look, he's back to not talking injuries. I imagine that's going to be kind of the, the way he is going forward again, which is unfortunate. I thought we were turning a corner here. But, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing to say um, other than what everybody saw. Let's just opine because that's always a good idea when reporters sure, are so yeah, right. about injuries that they know nothing about. But seriously, like last week, it was a surprise that, that Trey didn't play. You know, he went through warmups. We knew by then he was out, but he still went through warmups, was sprinting. Um, and then basically, the story was not basically what we were told was he could have played against Maryland, but we have all these other running backs healthy. We know what happened last year. Let's just make sure we're cautious with him. He could have played today. Was that not true? Did he have a setback? Um, maybe was it more serious than what we thought? Is something else going on? What, what's what's your gut feeling here, Patrick, with uh, what's going on with Trey? I think they are being very careful with him because they want him when they need him the most. And they know, you know, because he's the most explosive running back on this team that games like next week are, are going to be pretty important in, in terms of having him. So, Look, both games, when he came out for warm-ups, I thought, he looks fine. You know, so it's not, clearly not like – and I believe that it is an injury. From what I've been told, it's an injury. But clearly it's not like an ankle or something that's limiting him from doing these jogging warm-ups and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, Whatever he's dealing with you know, must be something where they wanted to come out and test it and, and see how he was doing. Again, I thought he looked fine, but – it is, uh, you know, 
this has been the, his career. Even going back to his freshman year, he came out of games at halftime. Now, often Ohio State was up big, so it was like, well, it made sense to take him out anyway. But he's had various injuries. And look, it's unfortunate because he's a super talented kid. If he stays healthy, he's just had trouble doing that. And frankly, this running back room in, in its entirety has had trouble staying healthy other than really down, down Hayden. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'll be interested to see. I assume he will be available next week. I don't think what Ryan Day told us uh, on Tuesday was, was him just fabricating things. But the, uh, the situation is strange, no doubt. The moment I'm going to ask you, to, you know, before you get out of here, um, maybe something I haven't asked you. So think about that, that you really want to get out there. Before we do that, this D-line looked great. Now, yeah. and they continue to play well. Now, I know Purdue's offensive line is not good, and they're banged up. So they, they already weren't good. They were down a starter coming into the game, and then they lost another starter. They even lost maybe another starter late, but that, that's irrelevant. Um, but this D-line's looking real. Even guys like Jack Sawyer, who have not been impressive, look really good today. This D-line, Tyleek Williams, Mike Hall, Twimo Lowell, Sawyer, Curry, um, the, some of the backups looking really good. Yes, absolutely. It's third time in their career, JT Tumalau and Jack Sawyer have had sacks in the same game, which is not enough in my mind. Uh, but good to see them at least do it today. I thought this is as good as the defensive line in total, you know, it's in, in its entirety, I thought it played. Again, there are reasons for the, that it probably looked better. Uh, but as I said before, I think having confidence going into a game like next week is important and i think you can build off that and you know these defensive ends aren't pure pass rushers the, at least the starting guys um you know i think the, the jc tumalau has proven very effective against the run i think jack sawyer is actually pretty good against the run jc tumalau can do a lot of different things um, you know he had a play today where for some reason he was left unblocked and just came charging down on hudson card i mean the the speed that he closes on any of uh any of these plays is, is impressive. And, um, you know, to, I could, I lost count of the number of times Ohio State's interior defensive linemen were getting held and it was not getting called. Um, one time, Tyreek Williams had both hands in the air, his jersey like being pulled down to mid chest. And uh, the referee afterwards just kind of shrugged his shoulders at him. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know how you missed that one. But, um, you know, it, it happens. I, I, I'm not trying to start a conspiracy. Ohio State holds sometimes too. Though the call that Josh Simmons got called for was terrible. The guy just fell down from what we saw, and Josh Simmons just laid on top of him to make sure he didn't get back up and hit McCord. I, I don't know what that one was. I don't know if people just assume Josh Simmons is holding, but uh, I saw some people on Twitter complaining about him, and I was like, that was not his fault. He, he handled that play just right. And he got the business from Ryan Day. Because Ryan yeah, Day, right. I mean, Josh Simmons came off the field. Ryan Day was chewing everybody out because they got the delay of game. He's chewing Tony Alford out. He's yelling at everybody. And then Josh Simmons comes off the field. He's yelling at Josh Simmons. And you screwed the drive up by getting that penalty. Interesting that that uh, was actually a bad call. And I'm glad, yeah. Jeremiah, before I ask you one more thing, Jeremiah, I'm glad he brought this up on YouTube. How about this? Ohio State is six games into the season. Three of the games have been played in the state of Indiana. <laughs> That's crazy. We've at been Notre here Dame, a lot. At, uh, at, Indi at Indiana, at Notre Dame, and then at Purdue. It's crazy. Hopefully they have one more in the state of Indiana, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we as we checked into the hotel yesterday evening, a lady at the desk asked us you know, what we're here for. We're telling them. She was like, oh, okay. And she was like, I didn't realize Ohio State was playing here this week. 
And she thought they were playing Indiana. And we're like, no, they already played Indiana. In fact, this is our third time in, you know, two months or whatever of coming here for a game. And then uh, the guy that was working next to her was like, well, if things go right, you'll be here again at the end of the season, right? And we were like, that's right. All right, let's get you out of here on this. What's something I'm leaving out? Something from the post-game presser you want to get out there? Anything, anything from the game that you want to mention? You can name more than one thing, Mr. Patrick Murphy. Yeah, um, I think, you know, not to be negative, but I think the, the calls for C.J. Hicks to start playing, I don't know if you touched on this earlier, Base, we don't see him a lot, and there must be a reason for that. And then when he is on the field, he's not doing a ton. And I think today there were a couple of plays where you, you could kind of see, okay, this is this is why this kid is not on the field yet. Now, this is not an indictment on him. I think he's very talented. But I do think that there are reasons for uh, him not you know, passing up the, these other linebackers who I thought were better today, still some issues. Um, I agree with that comment you just threw up there. I didn't see the name, but – Angry Ryan Day, uh, emotional Ryan Day is yeah there it is uh, from Todd, is is the best and uh, you know I I wish he would come into the post game press conference more like he did after Notre Dame. He's been like the last couple games he's still been still been fun but I you know when he was fired up after Notre Dame and, and he was a little bit today, um, I think he just you know he knows what's coming next week, but uh, that is that is definitely the best Ryan Day and I think you see the results when he like kind of lets it go a little bit. I wonder if any of us will ask a question. He's like, you're speaking Japanese to me right now. Well, a James Franklin on a reporter. All right, good yeah. stuff, my friend. And good on stuff. a question that made complete sense. That was, a, that was a fine question to be asked of James Franklin. It totally was. We've all seen it. Trace McSorley's best play against Ohio State was just throwing it up for grabs deep. And yep. then Sean Clifford's best play was throwing it up for grabs to Dotson. Yep. And James Franklin's all like, oh, apoplectic. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we would never do that. Like, yes, you would. Yes, also, you you're, have. you're playing UMass this week. Just throw the ball. Just throw it up. You mean you mean yep. no matter what? Yes. Yes, that's what I mean. When when billion dollar coach, I know he's not billion, when like guys making $10 million a year just like tried to like embarrass a reporter who asked a legit question, like those are the type of coaches that can just go fly a kite. Anyway. Patrick, you could probably fly a kite. It's so windy right now in Ross A, but you gotta get to work. Yeah. So uh Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping there's still some uh, I'm hoping there's still some raising canes left over. Jerry Emig said if there was some left over from the team, we could we could take it. So I'm gonna see well, if, I can if, get if I if I prevented you from getting canes, then get some on the way home and I'll Venmo you. Okay, sounds good. All right, thank you, sir. Right. See you, Dave. Patrick Murphy live from Ross Aid Stadium, which uh has been a house of horrors for Ohio State. Not so much today. Buckeyes took care of business and then some 41 to 7. Let's get some final questions. I'm sure most of you are watching this Washington Oregon game. I have it on in the background here. Washington 14, Oregon 8. Uh, man, Big Ten is not messing around, huh? I mean, USC, they can't play defense. I'm still looking forward to that USC Notre Dame game tonight, but uh, Washington and Oregon. Number seven against number eight. It's in Seattle, and Washington's leading 14 to eight. So that's basically an elimination game right there. Yeah, I'll, I'll venture to say whoever wins this game is going to win the Pac 12, the last year of the Pac 12, which is insane. Isn't that crazy? The Pac 12 is just dissolving. And it's because of the Big Ten. No matter what the Big Ten wants to say, it's like, well, it's not because of us. Yes, it is. 
But, you know, you had to do it. Once Once the SEC took Texas and Oklahoma, the Big Ten's hands were tied, in my opinion. They had to make a move. And that move couldn't be, uh, you know, adding, you know, a C-level team. They had to go big. And they got both L.A. schools. And then they end up getting Oregon and Washington. So you had to do it. And more is coming. I'm sure the SEC is not going to stop at 18. I bet they'll add Florida State and Clemson eventually, maybe even Miami and somebody else. And I don't think Ohio, I don't think uh, the Big Ten's done at 18. Hopefully they are for a while. We've seen enough change in college football. All right, let's get back to Ohio State. Tom on YouTube is saying McCord is not good at all. He just throws the ball up for grabs. He throws behind and short to the receivers. You can look at plays where you think that like he's not good at all. Then you can look at plays where he looks great. So I, the truth somewhere in the middle, Tom. I mean, he overall he's been solid. So not even in the middle. More more toward him being good than bad. He's not bad. He's just there are times he looks bad, and there are times he looks great. First year starting quarterback. And again, I can't stress this enough. There's a reason that this battle didn't even end at the end of camp between Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. I mean, McCord was the starter against Indiana, but what did Ryan Day say? He said, it's so close. Both guys are going to play. Then they got in a dog fight against Indiana and McCord played all of, but like four plays. Um, but that never would have been the case. Ryan Day never would have said that if McCord was clearly better in camp. So, you know, and it's not like Devin Brown was setting the world on fire. So it's like, those guys are both solid. McCord's a little better. I see the arm talent with Kyle McCord, though. So you couldn't ask for a better quarterback coach than Ryan Day. So just keep getting better, keep getting better, keep getting better. These games against Penn State and Michigan are being won in the trenches. Yeah, McCord needs to play well, but if they don't win the game in the trenches on both sides, they're not going to win. If they do win the game in the trenches, McCord doesn't even need to play great. He just needs to play good, and I think he will do that. Caleb on Facebook, McCord makes the right plays. He just does it in a shaky manner, but the right plays matter. Yeah, I thought like the first, you know, touchdown to Mark, he did throw off his back foot, but like he got it there. Of course, I remember Mike Tomzak. That's when I'm like the, when I first started loving Ohio State football, Tomzak was the quarterback, played a long time in the NFL, but mostly as a backup. Really, he's Ohio State's best quarterback, NFL quarterback ever is Mike Tomzak. Uh, if you look at career, he lasted 15, 16 years in the NFL. Love Mike Tomzak. Number 15, Mike Tomzak. Of course I remember Mike Tomzak. That 84 Rose Bowl team. My first ever Ohio State game in Ohio Stadium. My dad played this right. Um, my first ever game in person was a Michigan game. 84 Ohio State-Michigan. And not only just an Ohio State-Michigan game, but Ohio State clinched the Big Ten title in a trip to the Rose Bowl. 21 to 6 over Michigan. Keith Byers, you know, true freshman Chris Spielman, true freshman Chris Carter, the aforementioned Mike Tomzak. Keith Byers almost won the Heisman that year, uh, was second for the Heisman behind Doug Flutie. If Doug Flutie doesn't have that uh, Hail Mary against Miami, Byers is your, uh, is your Heisman Trophy winner. So 84 Buckeyes. Um, yeah, that was my first ever game in person was the 84 Michigan game, 21-6 Buckeyes. Um, I was hooked before. I was hooked about the age of six on Ohio State football. Uh, took me a couple years later to finally get to a game, but uh, good job by my dad. Um, how about make the first game an Ohio State-Michigan game? Good work, Dad. Good work. Yeah, I mean, you know, Krenzel won a national title, as Gary on YouTube says. 
Cardale won a national title. Um, Rex Kern ended up being a really good quarterback. No one knew who Rex Kern was entering 1968. I certainly didn't because I wasn't born for another eight years. But seriously, I mean, going back, look at like any of the you know college football previews going into that year. Nothing was expected out of Ohio State going into 68. Then the Super Softs happened. Nothing was expected out of Ohio State going into 2002. They were 7-5 and five, Jim Trestle's first year, did beat Michigan. And then we know what happened. They won the national title. Um, I won't say nothing was expected in 2014, but certainly nothing was expected after Braxton got hurt. And then JT um, had to take over. And then it was like, oh, and then they lose to Virginia Tech. Season over, right? And then eventually JT gets hurt against Michigan. Season over again, right? For the third time, Braxton's hurt. Season's over. Lose to Virginia Tech. Season over. JT breaks his leg. Season over. No, no, no. They win the national title. Um, just keep winning, baby. Keep winning. And now, you know, there's certain games we knew could be hiccups going into the year. Really, there was four. Notre Dame, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan. Okay, they cleared the, the Notre Dame hurdle barely. Um, now it's time for Penn State. And uh, we'll see if this hype for Penn State is real. I think their defense might be better than um, people think. I think their offense might be a little overrated. Um, I really like their running backs. Um, I like most of their offensive line. I think Aller will be a really good quarterback, but I think he, right now he's not showing the ability to throw the ball down the field. And I, I've seen him sail a lot of passes. So we'll see what happens. You know, if this game is in Happy Valley, not that I'm not concerned about it, but I'd be a lot more concerned about it if it was in Happy Valley. I think the Buckeyes are going to take care of business. High noon. Yeah, another noon game. Yeah, Fox. Big noon kickoff next week. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the Peacock, some Peacock comments. I thought the Peacock feed was good. It seemed like on, on the TV, if you had to download the app and watch it on the TV, it seemed like that was almost a little, like, shakier than if you are just watching it on a computer. At least that was the experience in my house. Um, but, um, you know, just watching on my, you know, computer from a close range, you know, it was clear, never, you know, never petered out on me. I was, I was actually uh, happy with the Peacock experience, so... Um, never had to bury my head in the sand or anything like that. Those are flamingos. Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. Not impressed with Wisconsin at all. They have been. I haven't watched them yet today, but um, Gary on YouTube saying he's not impressed with Wisconsin. I've watched them. The times I have watched Wisconsin, they've looked okay. They've looked okay. Like Luke's still trying to get his footing and like they look decent, but we don't know yet. That's probably going to be a night game at Camp Randall. And I have no doubt if Wisconsin's a B minus team this year, they're going to play like a, at least an A minus team that night. So get ready for another tough one. A couple of tough ones coming up and you get a little bit of a break there. You get Rutgers, you get the artist formerly known as Michigan state. Who I think actually beat Rutgers today, unless they, unless Rutgers came back, I've been working. Um, and then Minnesota, who I thought that'd be not a good game the week before Michigan. Now Minnesota's looking awful this year. So, you get kind of a nice three-week stretch before the Michigan game, whereas Michigan's got a couple of tough games right before Ohio State. So that makes things a little interesting there. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Michigan's got, what, Penn State and then Maryland right before the Ohio State game. So now the game's in Ann Arbor. You'll, you'll, you'd take the Michigan situation over Ohio State as far as the way the schedule sets up if you get the home game. But, um, all right, let's get some final – My guy on YouTube is very, very confident, thinking we're going to kill Penn State. Will on Lackey. I like that. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. 
I like that. Oh, Rutgers did come back and win. <laughs> that's that's the most Michigan State thing. I last thought last I saw Michigan State was up like double digits in the second half. Rutgers came back and win. Hey, you know, good thing for Greg Schiano. Like, I mean, Michigan State's head coach, his act, he's not gonna be there anyway. Schiano now has them at five and two. You know, I feel good for my guy Paul Keels. He's a so for those who don't know, not only as you guys know, Paul Keels has does a great job. He's been the voice of the Buckeyes for a long time. Um, for those that don't know him, I'm I bet most of you do. He, he's a great guy too, a great man. Like I've gotten to know Paul just through my side job at 97.1 The Fan, and you know he'll he'll be in there uh, many times, and I'll run into him at Ohio State events, of course, as well. And um, just a truly like good person as well. In, in addition to having the voice of God, um, so Paul Keels, I feel good for him and Jim Lachey, another great guy. And I think Buckeye fans are very um, fortunate to have those guys as, you know, the play-by-play and color analysts because, and they've been there forever because those guys are really good. Um, but I feel good for them because a lot of people um, didn't get Peacock today and they just like, I'm just going to listen to the game on radio, old school style. Um, I know my mom and dad did that, you know, so I know a lot of people did that. So I'm sure the radio ratings were a sky high first time since 1997, which by the way, was Paul Keels' first year doing Ohio State games, ironically, first time since 1997, an Ohio State football game was not on TV, either broadcast TV or cable TV. The one that was like kind of almost reminds me of this one was when they, the first time ever on Big Ten Network when they played Indiana. I'm sure you guys will remember that. Um, A lot of people didn't have Big Ten Network yet, so people were scrambling, people were upset, people were cursing Big Ten Network, Um, but things changed. I thought Peacock did a good job today. Yeah, when, you know, when the Big Ten tried to get every dime possible, this is the result. You know, you're going to have probably one Ohio State game every year on Peacock. Maybe it'll be every other year. I don't think it'll ever be twice a year. But the Big Ten, you know, got every dime they could. And part of the deal was they were going to have night games on NBC. And they were going to have games that were Peacock only uh, for NBC. That was part of NBC ponying up and joining Fox in this venture uh, and CBS. So, but yeah, and I'm sure we'll see the same thing next year on Paramount Plus. There'll be games that are just on Paramount Plus. Um, it's how it works, my friends. It's no different than cable in the 80s when it first uh, came alive and people were like, I'm not going to pay for this, um, including maybe uh, someone who raised me. I'm still not over it, Mom, that you wouldn't get cable. I'm still not over it until very, very, until I was like a senior in high school. I was like the only one of my friends that didn't have cable. I was like the biggest sports fan. I had to go to my friend's house to watch ESPN. It was embarrassing. Um and it was just out of principle. It's not like we didn't have the money to have cable. She just didn't want to get it. But uh, other than that, my mom's awesome. They raised me right. They're still Ohio State fans. So, um, but yeah, but it's no different than that, though. I mean, times change. Five ninety nine for Peacock per month. There's going to be like four or five Ohio State basketball games on there. I thought they did a good job. Honky Kong on YouTube, Dave. Do you see any Buckeye player having a chance at the Heisman this year? Not realistically. It's going to go to one of the quarterbacks. I mean, if anybody, it'd be Marv. Although, I mean, McCord's stats were interesting. 11 touchdowns and one interception now, and his one interception was on a fourth down where the guy fell down. His receiver fell down. He had to throw it anyway. It's fourth down. Um, So 11 touchdowns, one interception. I guess in theory, if McCord goes crazy – these next six games and Ohio State's undefeated. He could be in the in the discussion at least. Marvin's the one guy I think could, 
you know, could be in the discussion, but it's probably going to be Caleb Williams or Penix, you'd have to think. So, all right, appreciate you guys. Um, we have a Marty Brenneman shout out. I love that. Frank Carone, <laughs> the Marty Brenneman, great radio voice for the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, Marty Brenneman, Hall of Famer, definitely. Um, one of the best, the retired Marty Brenneman. All right, well, I appreciate you guys joining me. Um, I And thank you to all of my guests. Thanks to Matt Baxendale. Thanks to Heath Schneider, a.k.a. Heater. You can get on Bucknuts and read Heath's postgame analysis right now. Thanks to Patrick Murphy live from ross Aid Stadium. Patrick uh, is going to have full coverage of this game. Steve Hellwagon's game story is up. Even though Steve wasn't uh, in person, he still did a game story. Even when Steve's not there, Steve's there. But Patrick is our man on the ground. He's going to have plenty of coverage, so – uh, keep it locked to Bucknuts for all of that. Uh, thanks to all of you. I appreciate you guys joining me. Thanks for all of your questions and comments. And just thanks to for you guys for uh, hopping in here and joining me. Uh, this has been What We Learned Live. I am Dave Biddle. Thank you very much. Hope everyone has a great day or a great evening and a great rest of your weekend. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.